it this time. On the tee from PGA West, here's Trent Rush and Nico Bellini. I mean, when we talked about doing a golf show, the idea of drinking Arnold Palmer's here at the clubhouse at PGA West in La Quinta at the American Express. My name is Trent Rush, Nico Bellini hanging out as well as always. Good stuff here for the PGA Tour. The West Coast Swing is upon us, and what a, a great field that we have here at the American Express. A really good tournament. Some of the wind kicking up on Friday afternoon. Full disclosure, we are recording this on Friday. Of course, you're listening to it right now on Saturday afternoon, so probably some changes atop the leaderboard as it sits at the moment. Patrick Cantley has had one heck of a start to this tournament. Uh, we had a chance to follow Patrick around a little bit earlier today, so Nico and I have a chance to talk about that. We talked with Patrick Cantley earlier in the week. We checked in with John Rahm. We talked in with Scotty Scheffler. If you're saying, wait a minute, that's like the Ryder Cup team. Yeah, that's pretty much what we do, and that's mm -hmm. what the American Express brings. Not necessarily the same celebrity field we used to see in the Bob Hope days, but this is a tournament, Pat, uh, Nico, that – has really elevated. There's a lot of great players coming to this, and this is becoming one of those tour stops that maybe five, six years ago the top players weren't coming to, but but they're near. They're here now. You know, and I think a big draw also is playing the stadium course. You know, for a number of years, the tour guys never played the stadium course, and ever since Pete Dye passed away, you know, the reverence of, of what he's done in the architectural circles and guys like Cantley who are very appreciative and understanding and knowledgeable about course design and feel, I think guys get excited to play the stadium course, right? And you got 17, arguably one of the most exciting finishing par threes in golf. And you and me have both played it. It's yeah. diabolical. It's not nearly <laughs> as big yeah. as 17, because 17 at Sawgrass is a wedge, Island Green, right? Where here it's more of like an 8, 7 iron with a smaller green at elevation. So any movement there? So, anyways, I think the yeah. guys are excited to play this golf course. Elevated to you. Of course, Trevino hit the famous hole-in-one right. there in the Skins game many years ago. Uh, but, but 17, of course, Alcatraz, what everyone wants to talk about. It's the most picturesque hole. That's where the Golf Channel has mm -hmm. their TV truck set up. That, that's what people want to see. It, it's just so funny. 165 yards it was playing at on Friday morning with Danny Lee. I mean, this is what this is what can happen. I mean, you knock it tight, make the putt, all right, you got yourself a birdie. I think most people are pretty good uh, just taking par there. The par threes are playing really, really tough that's kind of a signature of pete die courses uh, but on top of that lee hits one the first shot ricochets off the rocks ends up on the other side of the water but still in play it wasn't out of bounds mm -hmm. you'd have been better off if it went in the water chips one up left it way short just a chunk hits another one it gets nestled in the rocks next thing you know he's making an eight on the hole that can happen and, and he ended up still having a pretty good round on the day it was only two over uh, on the back nine considering he had an eight, eight on, on, on the par three yeah. so it, that's just what can happen here um, really good play it, it's interesting seeing how the conditions are coming into effect I, i'm telling you watching the pro-am on wednesday and, and the play on thursday and even fr Friday morning, it seemed like it was like the phrase you like to use. It felt like indoor golf for a lot of these guys. The stadium course can be a lot different once the wind picks up, and that's what we're going to have this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you and me were just out there watching Cantlay on the tournament course, and as you just mentioned, it was like indoor golf this morning as we were driving up to the course, and then something happened, and it shifted. And I've played the tournament course multiple times, and all of a sudden these par fours became – into the wind they yeah. were beasts they were driver mid irons and the course is set up for indoor golf so the firm greens right they're not as forgiving 
um, as a course would be with that, that faces weather conditions. So when you get these kind of unique windstorms that come through, it makes it that much more difficult because the course isn't prepped for that. So all of a sudden, like Scotty Scheffler on number eight of the Nicholas Tournament course hit a beautiful eight iron, yeah. but it was straight downwind. The greens are firm. How are you going to hold it? And when you hit it, everybody's kind of clapping, hit a good shot. Yeah, I thought, then, I thought it was going to be tight. And then it trickled down into the backside, into the water, like it's false edge. And, man, that's, that's brutal. Or you don't even think about that. You know what's so funny? The story, I mean, we talked about this last week because in Hawaii, the, the, both tournaments were just picturesque conditions. By the way, do you see Matsuyama's shot yeah, on, on, uh, 18th on 18. to, to come back? I mean, that was the, the, the par 5 18th. Uh, that was just a really great shot. For him to come all the way back, a really good win for Matsuyama last week with that three what he hit just what's it, 10 feet for Eagle. I mean, that was big time. But the conditions were so easy at Kapalua. They were so easy at Wailoff, this, uh, Wailai. The story coming into this week was that golf can be super easy, and it's just natural for all these guys. They're so good. The stores are historically low. 34 under was a winner at Kapalua. Five under was the cut line at Wailai. So for all this talk about how tough or how easy the game can be for some of these guys, I think now we're starting to see a little bit of conditions, and it's, it's so funny. All it takes – is five, six miles an hour of wind added to what's going on, it changes everything. It's Especially for a golf course not prepared for that. Yeah. So Kapalua was built under prevailing wind conditions, Yeah. right? Corn Crenshaw, they designed that golf course knowing what the wind's going to do. Same with Wailea, where that course, there's no diabol- There's no fast speeds of Bermuda. Like the, the ball's not going to get away from you. Here, the greens are immaculate. They're overseeded. Uh, bent, I believe, or, or some type of rye, yeah. and the ball can get away from you. So all of a sudden the wind picks up, and you have a course that's not really forgiving. You know, it's funny. As we're recording this again on Friday afternoon, we actually have, like, some cloudy skies, and, yeah. and there's some wind picking up. And, and it went, this morning it was perfectly still. It was totally clear skies, and, and it's just interesting how that comes into play. But when it comes to, you know, the game being too easy, I mean, that was something that Patrick Cantley talked about a little bit earlier this week. Uh, I thought he had a really good line, and he was talking about how the game of golf can be easy and at least feel easy at times. You get into a rhythm, and, and the way it was you know, kind of brought to me is, look, you, I think all of us have hit a drive down the middle. You, you hit a shot onto the green, you make the putt. That's an easy hole. These guys can have an easy 18, or they can have an easy 72 holes. I think that's the difference. Everybody kind of knows how the game can feel that way. But I thought it was interesting because the scores have been so low. I mean, it's, it's made this group of players, especially the top guys, especially like Ryder Cup guys, yeah. it's a different level right now. No, I completely agree. And as Cantley mentioned, with the game getting easy, you know, there's time, there's moments out there when I was playing full-time, even this summer, like to these days where the game certainly feels easy. Yeah. Right, because you kind of you find this autopilot. You've been playing this game all your life. You know what your body does. You know what, how you're going to react to different shots. What the pressures do, and you can get it going. And all of a sudden, you're making five, six, seven birdies in a row. And of course, the game is never an easy game, but it certainly feels easy. I mean, you can imagine in any other sport. I mean, you watch guys surf, and they make it look ridiculous. You know, pipeline. Sure. You know, they make guys look death waves that could could kill somebody. Make it look so easy and rideable. Right, and we're talking about something that can affect your life. Sure, well, here it's just golf, right. and these guys can just rip drivers. I mean, they don't miss. They sometimes don't miss. And that was something I talked about with Patrick Cantley earlier this week. And here he is about just the ease of the game for tour pros today, and all of these historically low scores we've seen through the first two weeks of the 2022 calendar year. Most people I've talked to, as far as golf is concerned, do not say that the game is too easy. Um, 
Maui played historically easy last last week or two weeks ago because there was no wind, and usually it's 20 miles an hour. And it had rained, like, I think 10 or 11 inches the, the week before, and so it was very, very soft. And almost any golf course where it rains and then is no wind, like a Caves Valley as well, is going to be easy. Patrick, what's the preparation like for a tournament like this, playing three different courses, getting ready for it? Obviously, you've been here before, but how is that different from maybe other tour stops? I think it's a little more difficult because the conditions inevitably are going to be different on each golf course. And uh, we saw that last year here with usually the Nicholas tournament plays the easiest of all the courses. Uh, maybe not La Quinta, but um, definitely more than Stadium. And I think Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think last year Nicholas Tournament maybe played even harder than Stadium uh, because the greens were brand new and firm. So the most difficult part is actually the changing conditions of the three golf courses, especially me having seen all the golf courses as opposed to learning the golf courses. And for you, being from this area, after the season you had last year, now having accomplished what you've accomplished already in the game, and I know wanting to accomplish a lot more, is it any different for you coming back here, coming home and having fans around, from where you grew up uh, to be a part of this is, this, is it different now? I wouldn't say it's different. I've always liked the, the tournaments that are in California, closer to home. I think just growing up junior golf um, and then going to college here in California, I have an affinity for it and the golf courses. Um, and it's just, it's maybe just a little different now, but it feels the same as in I like these events. All right, so that's Patrick Cantley talking about uh, playing here in Southern California again. Servite High School, UCLA. Nico, you're a Servite guy. It was fun today, kind of feeling – you almost felt like you were in a little bit of, of the Cantley bubble with the group that was following him, friends and family that have known Patrick for years and years and years all on the course today. I would imagine that for some guys that can be a comfort. For others, uh, that could also invite some other elements just because, you know, you got to welcome people back. I remember that being a storyline for him when, when he was still at UCLA, and I, I think he got an exemption to play at Riv in, in the, uh, the – I forget what it was. It might, it might have been the Genesis Open back then. I forget what it, the sponsor was. But at the time, it seemed like that was almost more of a distraction with, with all the other elements going on. Uh, today it seemed like he was totally comfortable at home, and there probably is a, an element of comfortability that comes with having your people around you. There's going to be something to that. You know, and I think it depends on the makeup of the player. I always struggle with that. When I came home, and again, it depends where you are in your career, right? Early on in your career, the first or second year on the PGA Tour, and you're coming home, people are going to be calling you from everywhere. Can you get tickets? Are yeah. you around? You're more accessible. So the pressure, I think, was greater. But now Patrick is solidified as one of the top players in the world. So when he comes here, he doesn't need to fulfill these obligations to all these people. He's like, I'm here to play this tournament. I'm one of the top players in the world. You want to jump on board, you can do it. He's got people taking care of all the distraction events outside the golf course. When I was playing, I remember there would be certain big events that I would play. And there's so much going on from Monday to Wednesday of you personally sacrificing your time and preparation for the tournament to appease just friends and family, it gets distracting because it's unlike football or basketball or other major sports where, like, hey, here's a ticket, here's your seat, you're not going to see me. Golf, you're, you're right there. You know, you can go up there and give nucks to Patrick or anybody or all yeah. the crew. You're right there in the ropes. So I always thought it was very difficult playing in front of your home crowd early in your career. 
but the later your career went on, you either ascended, right, or you just kind of maintained the same spot. And then you kind of had a routine of what you were doing. There was no, there was no big expectations set for you. So that was something I certainly struggled with. But you could tell today, Patrick, he knew everybody there was, you know, Team Cantley, and they're all four of them. But you know, he's such a force in the world where that's beyond his his stresses. I think it's just so different for him today versus, gosh, you know, even three years ago. I was talking with some of his people about this, about just where he was three, four years ago yeah, to now. Yeah. Number four player in the world. He's coming off of a championship last season, won the FedEx Cup. He's PGA Tour Player of the Year. You're looking at, you know, what's Augusta going to be like, and you'll be hard-pressed to find anybody that's going to leave Cantley off their list for what the, the well, top end is going to be. I mean, they, he's expected to win the Masters. Well, and, and the big thing with guys like Cantley and Rom is they can now say no to a lot of things. Sure. Which early yeah. in your career, you're saying yes to a lot of stuff because you're trying to establish, you're trying to keep sponsors happy, you're trying to keep maybe influential people happy. Hey, can you do this interview? Sure. Hey, can you come do this? Hey, come grab dinner. Sure, sure, sure. Yes, yes, yes. Now Patrick is like, I can say no to everything. And yeah. he's and he's not going to sweat it. He's not going to lose sponsors on it, right? Because sure. he's like, I'm Patrick Cantley. I'm a top five player in the world. What, what do you mean going to drop me? No one's going to drop me. So... I think that changes a lot. And I've always kind of, that's always rung me. It's like you got to have the ability to say no at some point in your career to all these favors and asks. You know, and it's just, you know, where you're at in your career. I think Patrick's like 30 or, or close to 30. Yeah, 29, 30. 29, 30 years old. Mm -hmm. And then you have Scotty Scheffler, who he was playing with. I mean, this is a Ryder Cup teammate, another one of the top 15 players in the world. Scheffler, 25 now, but I, I, he's played well this event before. But when he was here in the past, I mean, he was splitting time between the Corn Ferry and, yeah. and being here and trying to figure that out. Now here he comes in, one of the best players in the game of golf. Well, I talked with Scotty Scheffler about some of the same low scores we also talked about with Patrick Cantley. I, I think the last few weeks, like, for instance, Kapalua was kind of an anomaly there for there to be no wind and it be so soft for four days. Um, but here, I mean, you get just get perfect weather. And with perfect conditions out here, these guys are pretty good at golf. So you're going to see some low scores kind of no matter where you go if you get the conditions that we do out here. And so I wouldn't say it changes the mindset too much. It's just golf. You just go out there and just play and kind of give what the course takes you, or take what the golf course gives you. I mean, you say these guys are good. You're all good. The conditions are perfect. So does the course matter if you're somewhere, maybe somewhere else? Does it make a difference for what you're trying to do on that particular day? For sure. Like I would say approaching a U.S. Open is a lot different than approaching, you know, this tournament, uh, the American Express, just because it's, I mean, it definitely takes a different type of player to play really good on those major championship golf courses. And um, I would say a tournament like this is a little bit different than those, but you're still going to have a great champion this week. I guess maybe what I'm referring to is like being at La Quinta versus being at the Nick course, the, oh, the stadium the course. Here? The courses here of these three. Yeah. Is there anyone in particular that, hey, this suits me really well, or is it, hey, we can score at all of these? I mean, we can score on all of them. I would say stadium, obviously, is the most challenging to score on. I think those other courses, maybe you can fake it around a little bit. Um, but you know, I played a practice on the stadium today. you, you got to drive the ball pretty well off the tee out there, and you still have to get the ball in the fairway and hit good shots, especially with the green firmness being up. Um, it definitely kind of brings um, brings the difficulty up a little bit, for sure. Um, if you play this golf course in soft conditions, it doesn't really make a big difference whether or not you're in the fairway or in the rough that's that long. But now, I mean, if the rough's that long, it takes spin off the ball, and you're going into a firm green, and if the pin is tucked at all, it makes it a lot more challenging. So you still got to get the ball in play.
I, I thought that was an interesting thought there as well. He's Nico Bellini. My name is Trent Rush. That was Scotty Scheffler, one of the top players in the world, Ryder Cup team member for Team USA, Ryder Cup champion, uh, might want to add. The thing is about this particular tournament, this is a very unique one in the American Express. One is you're playing three different courses on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and then everyone's at the stadium on Sunday. And then you're also playing with amateurs. And in the past, the Bob Hope has had the big celebrity amateurs, and that's been a huge part of it. And uh, That's really not a part of this event anymore. You just kind of have other amateur players, got to spend a lot of money to go be a part of this event. I would imagine that that is something that's probably difficult to deal with if you're a PGA Tour pro, prepping for three different courses and then just a different pace as well because, look, let's, let's face it, Thursday through Saturday, it's playing slow out there. Yeah, it is playing slow. And, you know, my career right now, when I go play golf on the weekends or during the week, I'm in no rush. But when I was playing full-time, I wanted to get in and get out. It's kind of like how you treat any job. You know, you want, you're doing it so often, you're just kind of counting down the clock to get off and move on and relax because you're under this intense pressure four days, you know, a week on tour. Now you're dealing with the amateurs, which I think the amateurs relieve some of that pressure hmm. of playing a tour event, especially for rookies or first few-year guys on tour. The three different golf courses, I mean, it's all overseeded rye. The greens are solid. There's bunkers. There's greens. There's water. Stadium, though, he nailed it. It's It's the perfect course kind of for the modern game because it's target golf. Kapalua, you could you could hit it anywhere. You could rip it anywhere. It's wide fairways, big slopes. You're never nervous on tee shots or second shots. Here, the stadium, man, that front nine and the back nine, there's a lot of shots where, you know, like I said, look at uh, Danny Lee made the 8 on 17. It could ruin a round and it could ruin a tournament for you. So you're playing under intense scrutiny and pressure the entire time. Now, at the amateurs, if you find a good parent that gives you a good feeling, it certainly helps. But at this point, you know, you're a grown adult. You know, when you're a kid and you get paired with the right guy or a buddy, it could help you. But now these guys are all pros. I don't think it really matters who you're playing with, who you're not playing with. Pace of play affects it a little bit. But you and me are watching it out there. They're not really hanging out with their amateur partners. You know, again, it depends who you are as a tour player. Sure. It depends what kind of personality you have. If you're more engaging, like a Trevino, those guys are old school fun guys, or a Mickelson. They're probably hanging out with these, you know, American Express or whatever the sponsors are. But if you're a top player in the world, like I can, I can't imagine Rom really hanging out and being chummy with his guys. Like, hey, I'm, I'm working. You know, this is a huge event for me. So I know you're a big sponsor, but just be happy you're playing golf. Yeah, sure. Kind of thing. We're, we're going to get to world number one, John Rom, coming up in a moment. But to your point, look, Stadium. When it was built in 87, I mean, at one point it was supposed to be a Ryder Cup course, mm -hmm. and it, it ended up not happening. It yeah. gets moved to the East Coast. And then the, the tour players play here. They think it's so hard, everyone boycotts. So from 1987 all the way until 2016, this wasn't even a tour stop. I mean, it, it's been a stop at Q School. I mean, it's a, it's a well-respected golf course and one of Pete Dye's finest, quite frankly. But it never really got a ton of tour attention because the players didn't want to play there. Boy, how different is it today? I, I mean, you, you look at you look at what the tour players think, and now you know some guys. Oh, it's it's so easy out there, and, and you can fire. Like if the conditions are right, you can fire on the stadium course. But it does go to show you when you have a really long course, you still have to drive the ball well. You can't miss fairways here, and yeah, some of these greens are tough. I mean, you talked about what happened with, with Scheffler uh, on Friday afternoon. It, it's just it, it's fascinating to see just how much the game has evolved from '87. This being a place that the tour players wanted no part of because it was so tough to today 
the whole conversation all week is about how easy the game of golf has become yeah. for some of these tour guys. It's wild to me. So Steve Elkington made a great point the other day on a show he does. He talked about he did Q School here. So Steve Elkington, right, is one of the all-time great ball strikers in golf and greatest golf swings. And he did Q School out here and got his card. So his rookie season, right, you want to play every tournament possible to solidify your tour card. Of course. Guess where the first event was? Back here, mm -hmm. stadium course. And guess what Steve did? He didn't play. He skipped that event. He's like, because I had fear of the stadium. Maybe not fear, but he's like, that course is so freaking hard. Remember, they're playing persimmon woods and old school spinny ballada balls. So for whatever reason, he didn't want to play here because he thought it'd screw with his psyche. And if he got off to a bad start, that it might hurt him for the future, for the rest of that year playing on the PGA Tour, right? You don't want to go up to a bad start because that sets the tone for the rest of the year. And then all of a sudden, a little bit of panic sets in. Um, but today, the stadium, I think, is a great reflection for the modern game. Because, and you talked about driving. Driving here is not as critical on the stadium as irons. Because the par threes, even the par threes with no water, they had these kind of tabletop greens. Meaning that if you miss it, they're dropping down to deep bunkers and the up and down is going to be very difficult. And then you got the water. So it's just precise because if you just pull or push an iron or miss club, it's hazard, it's penalty, it's drop, it's re-hit, it can get ugly very fast. So it stresses the modern aerial game, which, you know, is today's game. I know that you are a, a lover of golf course architecture and course design. And, of course, the legendary Pete Dye put together the stadium course. And, and we touched on this a moment ago, but I want to I go back to it because I think it's interesting. The par threes here all play so, so tough. And, and obviously Alcatraz is the one that is going to get the most attention on 17. If you go and, you you know, four is not the hardest par three in the six. world, but six is brutal. 250 with water on both sides. Yeah, you know, that was the tough. On, on Thursday, that was the hardest hole in the tournament yeah. on all three courses. Uh -huh. That's sick. The sixth hole, par three. And then another top five hardest hole on the golf course was 13. Mm -hmm. That's another really tough one on the back nine where you almost you have a very long, skinny. I lay up, I lay yeah. up on 13. Par three, I lay up to the right. I swear, I, I don't even... Uh, think about you're talking about the par three right i am water left yeah well water left and it's it's a really narrow green and, and yeah. there's no bailout so it, what, if you haven't played the golf course 13 it's a traditional pete dye golf course right you have the railroad ties and the green just hugging those railroad ties so and the, it's a very narrow green it's not a very generous green but there's no real bailout yeah there's no if you hit it right it doesn't leave you in a good spot to make an easy three or maybe just make it forward move on you could be stuck on a downhill lie downhill bunker shot there's no bail out there man it's, it's a brutal hole and you'll never see that on tv you know what's funny about 13 is you know they, they try to tuck the pin like they'll go back left pin yeah. up along the water all the way in the back that's actually the pin i like the most because i think the green feeds a little bit that yeah. way and I, i'm okay the, the one place i guess you could miss and you talk about laying out, you could go short and you're leaving yourself a long putt but at least you have a chance you're not really going for that pin but these grains don't really hold unless you're you know, a great shot maker like the pros out here. So so that's a really tough hole, I think. I lay up on six with all the water to the right. So, you know, 13's got the water to the left. Six is all the water to the right that you got to really fly most of it. They, it does have a bailout zone, and that's one of the flatter greens. That's yeah. the one thing there that, you know, that's – I'm not a very good putter, but I can make a 15-footer on that. Yeah. That's a flat green. That's the one – but trying to go – who can carry 250? And well, that, that's a, a very you, few. You can, but how are you going to stop that's, on the green? That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and I don't know where they played from. If they played from 225, 190, 250, but. I think it changes. Yeah, I imagine what 
I imagine it's 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 back there because the scores are so low. But I think the tour guys enjoy kind of getting tested out here. And like I said, and you're in the desert for the week, so that's why I see a stronger field. And they have eliminated. There is a pro am, but it's it's a, a different field. There's not the celebrity tie to it, which you know we could argue all day whether it's, that's good or bad for the events. Uh, if you can draw better names, but how can you argue getting Cantley, Rom, you know? It, it, it's too. so funny. I, so the Bob Hope forever yeah. was a, a major, major celebrity event. And Bob Hope brought in everybody. Yeah. And obviously he passes away. And, and really since he has passed, it's been hard for this event to get any kind of real momentum. Bill Clinton was a big part of it for a while, and they still had some of the celebrity elements of it then. And, and then the, the Humana was a huge sponsor uh, of that. So that's no longer part of it. And then it was, you know, the career builder for a while. They had trouble finding a sponsor for this thing. I give credit. Pat McCabe was on our show last week. I give credit to him. I give credit to, you know, this, this group finding American Express, that partnership now being extended through 2028. This is a very, very good field. And this is the best that I can remember. This is now becoming a stop where people want to play. And this is where a lot of people, including the number one player in the world, John Rahm, feel comfortable starting the West Coast Swing. This used to be the event. You go to Hawaii, you skip this one because you want to play in the others moving forward. And, and the West Coast has, the West Coast Swing is great event after great event. You don't want to miss them. But I think it's, it's pretty fascinating that it's taken a while. It's probably been like 10 years since you've really gotten the kind of momentum. If you hear something in the background, it's Maroon 5 is doing sound check. They're, yeah, about, to pretty a, cool. they're about to do a concert out here. Brad Paisley is going tomorrow night. I, I, think it's, I think it's pretty interesting that you're able to have that kind of an atmosphere. And this is an event that has not always been among one of the more well-respected by tour players. But you look at the fields today, when you have John Rahm, Patrick Cantley, Scotty Scheffler, credit Phil Mickelson, an ambassador for this event for a long right. time. I know he hasn't played well this week, and, and he has a ton of responsibilities as an ambassador, but it's almost like Phil was able to carry this event through the dark days. It could have folded. It didn't. And now I, I think this is an event that's on the rise. This is a, a really fun place to be if you're a sports fan, if you're a golf fan. And I, I give Phil credit for what he was able to do in getting this group to this point. But with the American Express partnership and having, you know, Tony Finau is a great player that's in this. It's a really, really good field, and that makes it for a fun weekend. And you know what else I think is is helping this early start to the Amex is what we talked about last week. All these guys coming to the desert, Justin Rose, Jason Day, Cantlay, John Rom, and they spend two or three weeks out at the Vintage in various clubs in the desert. It's kind of like their, their you know, preseason training. Yeah. It's like, all right, they had their holidays. They did a little bit of practicing here and there. It's like, all right, now I'm going to go to the desert because there's no better place in the world for the modern game to prepare for your game as the desert. Because it's indoor golf. Like I said, you can get dialed in with the yardages. You're not, you know, Fort Worth, for example. If you go there in the spring, it blows 15 to 20 yeah. every day. So if you're practicing, it's like, how do you get dialed in with the yardages? You know, I, I get track man's change, but you're in windy conditions, and those affect your swing. If you grew up your whole life hitting shots into the wind or downwind or crosswind, you can't get your swing dialed in for the modern game. You go play in the U.K., yeah, you're hitting shots all the time, but that's not the game anymore. So I think with David Woods over at the Vintage, you know, sort of reaching out to all these tour players and saying, hey, come over, practice at the Vintage, all the cart, whatever you guys can do. Maybe let's do a little bit of school. I know Luke List is part of it too. Camilo Villegas is out there all the time. And I think that really helps kind of draw – these guys to the Amex, you know, 
You know what I think is fascinating as well? I don't know that you're going to hear any player admit that they're not trying to win, but I think you can tell by watching. There are some guys that are here that are just trying to tune up their game. This is an early season, get start. You're trying to peak at Augusta. That's what everyone's trying to do. And then you see other guys that really are trying to win this week. They're, they're trying to win and the compete guys, now. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and it's, it's not just the newer guys on tour. Now that's most of it, but like Patrick Cantley is, if he's like, if I'm going to show up, like I'm wanting to win this thing. It's an interesting mentality, uh, but I, I think you can tell, and that's why maybe you see sometimes winners at this tournament that could be, you know, relative unknowns. Like I remember, you know, Abraham Answer a couple of years ago was in the mix, and he was going down to the final uh, couple of holes, and, and he was in the lead for this tournament, and he was an absolute no name at the time, you know, top twenty player in the world. Now people know Abe Answer, but. You know, it, it, you can see guys that maybe are, are unknowns have really good weeks here because there's an opportunity to win, get some FedEx points, and then you have a lot of the big names that are here. Yes, they're playing, but it's about tuning their game and getting right for Augusta. Yeah, correct, correct. And, you know, Abraham Mansert, man, he's, he's a silky move. He's one of my favorite players out there. He's a guy I really enjoy watching play in the game because he's not playing golf swing. He's just playing golf the way kind of in his, in his purest – form right Um, but the amex right you can go back and forth and argue whether the amateur portion relieves some of that stress from guys you know i i could see how that shakes out and i think guys are very comfortable playing golf in the desert so if you're in a comfortable situation you're playing desert golf fairly easy golf courses you could say that does help instill strong confidence in your game right and it's early on you're kind of you don't understand, right? What's the whole saying, right? Never get lost in the pinstripes with the Yankees. There you go. So, and I think guys that show up here early, they haven't taken it in of what it's like playing on the tour. They're still feeling good. They got their cards. Like I can do this. They haven't gotten beat up by the top players in the world yet, or intimidated by the venues that they see every week, right? Phoenix. Yeah. I think Phoenix is kind of the first one where you go play 16 waste management. We're like, oh boy, like this that crowd <laughs> on 16. You're nervous. Yeah. Don't mess up. That kind of stuff. We're here. It's early on. The crowds aren't huge, right? It's kind of a, you, you can kind of hide and go play solid. So, I think it is a recipe for success because guys are still riding high, you know, and getting their cards. It's going to be some good stuff all weekend long here. Really good take there, Nico. All right, don't go away. Coming up on Rush on the Links. When we come back, we're going to hear from world number one, John Rom, on the other side of this short break. He's Nico. I'm Trent. We'll be back here on Angels Radio AM 8:30. Ducks Radio, AM 830. Broadcasting from PGA West in La Quinta, California, here's Trent Rush and Nico Bellini. All right, we are back hanging out at the American Express. PGA West with the clubhouse uh, here just above the 18th hole on the Nicholas Tournament course uh, where we have seen the play all week long on Sunday. It's going to be all at the Stadium course, the Pete Dye design, we got way into that. Really fun event here at the American Express. The beginning of the West Coast Swing. So many great events. Nico, I'm telling you, this is one of those that I absolutely love the West Coast Swing. I love being a part of this. Um, and, and our show, I mean, the fact that we're here this week, we're going to be at Torrey Pines next week. We're going to be at Riviera. Uh, 
Someone might want to invite us to go to Pebble Beach. I don't know how we're going to get up there, but we got to go to Pebble Beach. Waste management's always great. It's just a lot of really good stops, and uh, this is a, a fun one. You know, it was interesting. I had a chance to catch up with, with John Rom a little bit earlier this week, number one player in the world, and I talked to him about being here on the West Coast, why it's so important for him to start well out here, but also he talked about his fitness and some ways that he wants to improve his game and has improved his game both from a physical and mental perspective. Yeah, a lot of the stuff I don't really want to disclose. I try to keep it to myself. But I do hear uh, and I do see a lot of the comments of people who think I don't work out, which to me is laughable. Uh, I do work out. I work out every single day. I'm just not working out to be on the skinniest shape of my life. I'm working out to be the best golfer I can be. So yeah, I do have routines that I do every morning and every night. Now, the one thing I do that is kind of a bit of both is journaling. I like to write. And that is something that it kind of helps us both, right? I kind of focus on myself and it's a way to, for me to restructure my thoughts and my emotions. It kind of helps me navigate through it. And when I'm done, I get this, almost the same sense I do when I'm meditating or practicing mindfulness, right? Because I'm so in the moment thinking about what I'm feeling, right? Which, um, it's a great practice and it's something I do as well every day. John, understanding your goals for the year, um, what's your approach to the West Coast Swing? And why do you choose the American Express to be that event that you, you like to start it at? So I, I always play a lot on the West Coast because being an Arizona State alumni, we played a lot in California and, and obviously um, Arizona, right? So those are events that it's almost like it's like being at home, even though I'm not, but it's like being at home. So to me is where I'm comfortable at. I grew up in Pointer Greens. So anytime I see Pointer Greens, I'm confident. And then everything else is very similar to Desert Play. So uh, it's what I have confidence. That's, that's all I can say. That's why I play so much of it is because it's the start of a year. It's important to get it off to a good start. And uh, my level of comfort is very high, and I'm very happy around it. Plus, I'm not too far from home, so family and friends can be around and visit as well. Maybe if we can go a little more into that, the importance of starting here, starting well, a place where you're comfortable. What do you feel like that does for your game as the season progresses, obviously trying to win another championship? Well, I think I mentioned it earlier as well, right? Um, you know, we all put new stuff in the bag early on the year. Uh, we're all trying to improve as players. And I think it's key to get a good start in that sense. And coming to courses and tournaments where I'm comfortable on is only going to help, right? So I think that's one of the reasons. But uh, the main thing is because I come out here believing I can win each one of those events, and that's the goal. And uh, luckily for me, it's no, no more than a short flight or a, you know, not the longest drive to come to this event. So it's, uh, again, like I said, where I feel comfortable. I spent a lot of time in California um, because of Callaway and my swing coach, Dave Phillips. Um, and obviously, I live in Arizona. So uh, it just makes sense. All right, so that's John Rom talking about the importance of being here and what that does for his game and all of that. A lot to unpack from what he said. I want to go back to what he said at the beginning of that, Nico, and the mental side of this. Journaling being a way that that has really helped them. And that's something that you don't hear a lot of people talk about. You hear meditation, you hear lifting, why, how cardio can help you and Pilates and all that. that. That's the first person I've ever heard say how journaling helps them be a better player. I mean, they, we're talking about the number one player in the world taking time to self-reflect and write things down. What, what was your reaction to hearing John Rom talk about that as being one of those methods that, that helps him be as good as he is? So... 
there's a guy I've, I've referred to quite a bit on the show, Peter Thompson, a great player from Australia. And what he always talked about is that when he had bad rounds, instead of, instead of spending kind of mind-numbing hours on the range hitting balls, he would go home and think about it. That's what he said. He's like, I'm going to go home and think about it. And I think a lot of tour players do that inadvertently, right? Because most of the guys finishing this afternoon wave of the tournament, they're going home. And then most of the morning guys, they finish, they go home. They might get a workout in. They might not. Maybe do some small putting. But there's a point they're going to go sit on that couch, right, shower up, get yeah. fresh, sit on the couch and do nothing for an hour. And a lot of the guys, especially on tour, are doing that. When it comes to journaling, John Rahm kind of made good mention. I'm just structuring my thoughts. So to journal, right, you got to do it every day, I think, to make it worth it. And it sounds like he does. So when you go sit there and plop on that couch and go over your round, you have these small thoughts. Jamie Mulligan used to always talk about that with me as well. It's like put whatever your thoughts you have about anything in life on paper. Because when you're on tour or trying to get to the tour, those are the little differences that are going to, you know, make or break you, whether you're playing on tour or you're not. And it could be like, you know what, today on hole seven, I got up there and I hit this weak block right. Yeah, I'd hit the green, but it was such a weak swing. I didn't commit to it, you know, and then I ended up three-putting. Yeah. That cost me a shot, and I get so frustrated with those things. Well, what led to that, right? To that shot, did it give you a little bit of pressure, unnecessary pressure, and you didn't recognize it? You didn't sort of face it and get all those butterflies of flying formation, you know, as we've talked about before? Because that's, that's the difference from being good to great that elite player, anybody can go on the range and flush it at this level. Anybody can go play with their buddies and shoot 65. Uh, quite honestly with these guys, they don't care about doing that. It's what, what happens when the big moment is in front of you, right? And then when you go home and journal about it, maybe you start slowly collecting data on yourself. It's like, you know what? I'm seeing a pattern here. I get two holes that I don't feel comfortable with. And instead of almost slowing myself down, I just want to get over with. I want to hit it and be done with it. Because sometimes, right, you don't want to overthink, right? And, and I struggle with this. And you got to find that yourself as a player. Okay, do I just get through this? I don't want to overthink the shot, all right? Just get up there, put the peg in the ground, commit to it, and hit it. But then all of a sudden, maybe you're rushing yourself because the pressure's on, all right? So I found that I need to almost slow myself down. And it's okay to have those more thoughts. Because when those thoughts come in my head, I want to be able to, you know, situate them and get them out of my head. So I think journaling is, is really beneficial with that regards. And you just say, he, he, like I said, he's structuring his thoughts. Yeah, I think that that's a pretty fascinating way to go about it. I, I'm also interested in the gap. The gap from being on tour and part-time corn fairy guy to trying to get the tour card to keep your tour card to the player that is maybe 20th to 70th in the world or 20th to 90th in the world that's an established tour veteran that's very good they don't have to worry about getting into events they're fine and then like the Ryder cup guys like that that super super highest level i think the gap from like the Ryder cup caliber player to maybe somebody that's 25th in the world if you look at a number it could be a really small number the way they go about their business, the way they carry themselves, the way they think about the game, I think that there is a separation. I think there is a gap and that, you know, that, that we might only be talking about an average over the course of a season of, of being maybe a shot or a shot and a half. But it feels... Per, per tournament, yeah. Yeah, up. right. But it, but it feels really, really big 
when you're talking about you know what it takes to be that super highest level and John Rom going into it and understanding the mental side of this I know we've spent a lot of time talking about Patrick Cantley but I think that Rom is 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 as interesting if not more so than Cantley and how he goes about it because he is so cerebral I think you watch John Rom and you might not necessarily think of this guy as being the most cerebral guy on tour I mean you know he's a smart guy you know how he goes about his business but I mean, my gosh, if you talk to, you know, our, our buddy Johnny Wonder, you know, Johnny knows way more about what's in John Rom's bag than John does. He just wants to know what, what it feels like. Mm-hmm. But he's so interested in the mental side of the game. I'm fascinated by that. Well, because like I said, that's what separates it. Now, John Rom, right, I, I know multiple people think he's the best ball striker on tour, but that's not going to get you to the top. It certainly helps, but it's not going to differentiate you under the pressure, under the gun, right? When you got to rise to that, can you hit that seven iron on that par three, or can you hit that? Can you hit that fairway when it matters? When you have a one-shot lead or whatever it is, all that other stuff goes out the window. It's like, can I execute with the most pressure? And that's what it matters. That's what it comes down to. And I think all this journaling, all the stuff he yeah. talks about working out, very important. I think a lot of guys, for the exception of DeChambeau, but a lot of guys are realizing that it's about longevity, right? It's not about being super jacked, super in good shape. It's about longevity and maintaining a form of your body that you can repeat because, yeah. man, you're, you're hurting your body. You're hitting thousands of golf balls. You're torquing your knee. You're torquing your back. At some point, it's going to break down. And when you – golf is unique because in football, you can play with a broken wrist, right? You can play hurt. In golf, if you chip, like, a finger, if you have, like, a hangnail, is that what it's called? Like, your, your finger kind of hurts. It doesn't bother you with anything – but it bothers you with the golf swing. Sure. You cannot play golf. You can't. I loved what he said about I'm not trying to necessarily be the skinniest guy on tour. I'm not working out to, to be in the most peak physical shape. He's He does his workout to be the best golfer he mm-hmm. can be, and, that, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, achieve that athletic, uh, athletic success. I, I think it's fascinating the way he has gone about it. I think he's one of the most exciting players on tour. I'm excited to see him at Torrey Pines next week where he got his first tour win. Yeah. That's always great. I mean, obviously, Callaway is right there, and that's his home. And um, But I, I do think that Torrey Pines is an interesting place that fits his game. And I do want to talk a little bit about Torrey Pines uh, coming up here in a moment. Okay, uh, we're drinking our own Palmers right now. They are soon to become transfusions as we're <laughs> taping this here on, on a Friday afternoon. Uh, when we come back, you want to talk about crazy travel schedules and how to figure out how you're supposed to get to tour events. We talk about the guys that are splitting their time between the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour and trying to keep their card. We got a story for you on the other side of this break. You absolutely do not want to miss that. Nico's got it. We're going to talk about it when we return. He's Nico Bellini. My name is Trent Rush. You're listening to Rush on the Links on Angels Radio AM830. Ducks Radio, AM 830. Broadcasting from the American Express at PGA West, here's Trent Rush and Nico Bellini. Hanging out with you on a Saturday afternoon. He's Nico. My name is Trent. All right. Wanted to talk about this because Patrick Cantley, it's off the leaderboard, has been so good this week, and it's uh, off to a great start already. You and I have talked a lot about the golf ball, and I know you in particular have talked about maybe the golf ball goes too far and there could be ways to reduce it. And even talking about having a, a super reduced ball that maybe mm-hmm. it goes a third of the distance. We've had this conversation before. That's why I want to play this. This was Patrick Cantley talking about something very similar earlier this week. Well, I saw the article that said that the guys – 
came here and played in 87, and it was so hard that they boycotted and said they'd never come back. And uh, obviously, that's not the case for this golf course anymore. Um, I think the biggest concern as far as the golf ball is that exactly that, is that you, to keep a golf course relevant or very, very difficult, you have to continue to improve the length. You have to keep getting a bigger, harder golf course uh, just to com combat that. And so just judging off all the places we've played, I imagine when they built the place in 87, or they must have built it before that, obviously, in the 80s, but they could have never imagined you know, me shooting 61 on the golf course because you just couldn't do it. Uh, you couldn't probably hit the golf ball far enough, drive it in some of the places that I did, and have wedges into some holes that I did. And so that seems to me the, the biggest concern as far as distance and golf ball is to keep a golf course relevant, the tees have to go back, back, back all the time. I just get the impression that we are approaching a point in golf to where you just cannot, there's just a land thing. You just can't keep expanding golf courses. They're going to have to do something manufacturing-wise. The, the golf ball, yeah, I don't know that it goes too far now, but I, I'm worried about what the generation of golf ball is going to look like in three years from now, about how far it's going to go. Like at a certain point, that's got to be capped, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, there, there are rules and regulations in place. And keep in mind, the technology with the driver along with the weight of the ball, the ball has like a little bit of weight to it that, I mean, you pick up older golf balls, they were lighter. Mm. Those things are rockets. And with the driver being so stable to hit, these guys can just rip at it with reckless abandon and hit it straight. You know, the driver's kind of the easiest club in the bag to hit for these tour guys. And, you know, people keep forgetting those tour bladas in the late 80s, early 90s, spun a ton so right now when you watch these guys deal with windy conditions the wind doesn't affect the golf ball all that much yeah. especially into the wind i mean for example i was playing the tailor-made tp5x a few years ago and i was playing uh, an alternate shot tournament with another good player that i played golf with at usc and into the wind shots because i had to play this golf ball i would i would hit it through the wind and i was air mailing greens and it blew my mind because i'm used to all right i got a 10 15 mile an hour wind into me it's going to be, depending on my trajectory, it's going to affect the shot by X amount of yards. Where now it's just ripping through it. Where those golf balls back in the day, you had to hit it so good for the ball not to be affected by the wind. You hit one low on the groove, it's spinning into the air, into the wind, and going nowhere. Where now the wind just doesn't touch it. So, you know, the, the, these, the beautiful natural element of the game is kind of losing its, you know, it's fear. It's yeah. you know striking fear into the hearts of players. It's not really there anymore. Yeah, I, th I think it's some. I mean, you can't just keep making courses longer and longer. Well, of course, yeah, you could build new ones, but what about yeah, current courses exactly. sitting on constricted land? Yeah, you, you can't. You, right, especially a place like PJ West. You got homes around yeah, here. It's, a, it's a totally different story. All right, uh, I think we made it through 18. I want to get to the 19th hole because this is story time and this yeah. is good stuff. T.J. Vogel, I know it's a good friend of yours. Correct. Yeah, T.J. Uh, Vogel. Spent some time at the Corn Ferry Tour, some time on the PGA Tour. Here's, he's here this week. Correct. Not easy for him to get here. No, so it's interesting. I, I text with TJ all the time. We're in a kind of a group chat, and, and, and he's a great guy, and we were talking about, you know, his schedule, et cetera. And, and I looked at the tee sheet kind of prepping to come to this event, and I noticed that he was on it. I was like, TJ, you got a sponsor's invite. So I text him, I'm like, hey, TJ, what gives? How did you get in, blah, blah, blah? He goes, ah, you know, it kind of sucks that I can't play. I'm like, you're kidding me? You can't play? And, and I get it because if you have full status on the Corn Ferry, you have a great opportunity to get your PGA Tour card. Yeah. The, on, the only benefit he gets of playing this tournament is if he wins. 
you finish 15th, you, you get nothing. You get a good chunk of change, but you get no status, exemptions, nothing. Okay. you got to win this thing or top five it or whatever it is, okay. or it's not worth your time. So he's like, no, I'd rather just go play in the Bahamas and focus on that and deal with it. But the Bahamas strangely finished on a Wednesday. So anyways, time went on. I said, that's too bad. Next thing you know, he texts me out of the blue saying, hey, Nico, or he texts our group, you know, is there anywhere to stay? I'm like, stay for what? <laughs> he goes, I'm, go- I'm going to the Amex. I'm like, you're going to the Amex? He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm hopping on a flight from the Bahamas right now. This is Wednesday morning, I think. That's wild. Hopping on a flight from the Bahamas because the tournament ended Wednesday or Wednesday night. Flew to Miami, Miami to LAX, and he got in at 2, 3 in the morning, Thursday morning, drove straight out here. I don't know if he had a morning tea time or afternoon tea time, I didn't check, but, and he was asking me if, I, if he had a place to stay because he was playing. I was so stoked. You know, you got guys, and he was still able to play in the Bahamas, finish that tournament, make it here on time, and tee it up, which <laughs> you, is just so cool. I mean, you think you get to the PGA Tour and it's all set. Folks, that's life. That's yeah, life that's in life. golf. That's professional you golf your to a T. Yeah. Well, Nico, you, you've told stories for days. We'll, we'll spend more time talking about uh, some of the travel elements there. I did want to mention this story real quick, and I saw this watching KESQ, News Channel 3, out here in the desert. Great local station out here in Palm Desert. Blake Arthur is their sports guy. He does a tremendous job. Blake told this story. How about Howard Beloved, 85 years old, so he hits an ace. Okay, that, that's news, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. How about doing it in consecutive holes? On a little track about 10 minutes from here, there's back-to-back par threes. He goes ace-ace at 85 years old. Under 100 yards, but still, I don't care. I don't care. I, it, it could have been a 50-yard shot. Yeah. Ace-ace at 85 years old. How about that for our good friend Howie right there? Howard Beloved. Good Howard Beloved. There. And then you got guys like my dad who's been playing golf for 50 years <laughs> and has had one hole in one his life. It's incredible. Incredible. It's uh, sometimes better to be lucky than good. Uh, apparently, this is not the first time. He's, he's had two aces in a round like a couple of years ago. What? He did it. So this is the second time in his life he's had multiple aces in a round. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. I saw there's a cool video on YouTube out there of Arnold Palmer in the 80s playing, I think, the uh, PJ Torvin at Greensboro, and he made back-to-back aces in consecutive days on the same oh, part three, and it's on video. It's pretty cool. That's, that, that's really good stuff. All right. Hey, Nico, this is a lot of fun today. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out in the desert. I want to thank our good friends at the American Express for the hospitality out here. Thanks to Howard Drescher back in the studio, our studio coordinator, for taking care of business behind the scenes for us. My name is Trent Rush. For everybody that helps put this show together, this has been Rush on the Links. We'll see you at Torrey Pines next week as the West Coast Swing continues.